Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. False teachers insult Satan and demons because they think that they're superior to them. They think that they are above them. They think that they have authority over them. They think that they can say anything they want to them because they have power over them. But they don't. They're grossly mistaken because not even holy angels who are greater and superior to the puny false teachers have the authority to rebuke Satan and his and his demons. Do you understand what he's saying? No man, whether it be a false teacher or, or a valid teacher, has a right to rail against Satan. Even the angels don't do that, and they are far superior than we are. Proverbs 16.8 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Verbally attacking powerful spiritual beings would definitely fall into that category. You're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is guiding us through 2 Peter chapter 2 as we learn about the dangers of false teachers. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He is passionate about delivering clear and practical Bible teaching. And I think that learning to recognize false teachers who seek to lead us away from the truth that God has communicated to us qualifies as practical. Years ago, a Christian friend of mine, for reasons I'll never understand, went to a seance. I guess she thought it was fake. It wasn't. A spirit answered their summons and was terrorizing everyone in the room. A young man, who I understand was a believer, showed up and rebuked the evil spirit in the name of Christ. Well, the spirit did leave, eventually, but not before the room was totally destroyed and everyone had a fresh set of bruises. It could have been a lot worse. While we're studying in Second Peter, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 2 if you're following in your Bible. Many false teachers think they can boss around evil spirits. Here's Pastor Steve to explain why that is not scriptural. I'd like you to look at Hebrews chapter 2. Notice this. And I want you to just see that this was very temporary. Just go back a few books from 2 Peter. Hebrews chapter 2. And you might say, well, that's an odd place to find something about casting out demons. Well, look at chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The writer says, how will we escape? Meaning, how will we escape judgment if we neglect so great a salvation? And then he explains about this salvation after it was at the first spoken through the Lord. The Lord was the first one who told us the details of salvation, the cross. It was confirmed to us by those who heard God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Notice the way the writer presents that. He's talking about the apostles here. First, Jesus told us about this salvation. Then the apostles told us and God accompanied their message with signs and wonders, but it's in the past tense. Not something that's happening today. It's something that happened in the past. He's calling the people to look back. And when you first heard this message, you saw these miracles, but it's not going on all the time. It's something that, that happened. They're things of the past. Now, let me tell you, there's a real danger in being involved in demon hunting and attempting to exercise a demon. Nowhere does Scripture command us to cast demons from anybody. Nowhere. First of all, they're not going to be in believers because they can't possess a believer. And secondly, if they are, and, and there are uh, unbelievers who are demon-possessed, uh, what they need is the gospel. 
You preach the gospel to them and they trust Christ, that demon's leaving. But I want to illustrate something. I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 19. And there is a passage in Scripture that tells us the great danger, especially for a non-Christian, to rail against demons, and they suffered as a result of it. In Acts chapter 19, the context is Paul came to Ephesus. Paul came there, and uh, he did have the authority, and he did have the commission and the gifts from the Lord to cast out demons and do miracles. And there were some people very impressed with that. I mean, that's an impressive thing to do. That's a lot of power. That's authority. It's a lot that, that can be taken the wrong way, a lot of arrogance. Notice Acts 19, verse 13. But also some of the Jewish exorcists, these were professional exorcists who traveled around the empire, and uh, these were Jewish people, and they, uh, they, they, you know, read or said some kind of incantations over evil spirits, and supposedly they, they vanished. And they went from place to place. They attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, they didn't know Jesus. They weren't believers. They just heard Paul do this, so they thought, this is good. We'll impress people. We will fool the Ephesians with this little gimmick that we have. So it says in verse 14, seven sons of one Sceva, that's the name of this man, a Jewish chief priest. He was not a high priest. He probably was a self-proclaimed priest. They were doing this. Now, so you understand, these seven sons went to some people who they felt were demon-possessed, and they started trying to cast them out, saying by the name of, of Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's a dangerous thing to do. Look at verse 15. The evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? What authority do you have over me? That's a scary thing. I mean, that, and, and look what happened. First, you want to know who they were. That's a dangerous thing when demons want to know who you are. And then he violently attacked them. Verse 16, the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on. This is one man and because he's demon-possessed. And he leaped and he subdued all of them and he overpowered them. These are seven sons, one man. And so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. You understand the power of a demon? And these false teachers were railing against demons. One demon overpowered seven grown men, and by the time they got out of the house, they were naked. It's real power. You don't, you don't want to trifle on that kind of stuff. So we can establish the fact today, many false teachers do display an arrogance, a, a pride towards demons by yelling at them and blasting them and railing against them as if God has given them authority to do that. They don't have that kind of authority. But in addition to demonstrating this arrogance uh, towards demons by speaking harshly, there is a second way in which false teachers today uh, rail against demons. Uh, some liberal theologians today demonstrate their arrogance towards Satan, Satan and demons by mocking their reality, by ridiculing their existence, by portraying the devil with such things as horns and a red cape and, and that tail. And, and in other words, they trivialize and they mock the evil spirit world. Now, in light of that, I would just warn you about falling into the trap of being entertained by programs on television or movies that present Satan and demons in a very light and humorous manner. Such, such movies as Ghost 
Ghostbusters. Don't watch that kind of stuff. Casper the friendly ghost. There are, there are no friendly ghosts. There are evil demons. And there is no such thing as a Casper. Uh, this is the time of the year that's Halloween. Be careful about it. There's going to be all kinds of things on TV about haunted house comedies. Be, be aware of that stuff. And, and things that have to do with the scary, evil, wicked part of, of Halloween. You just don't want to take lightly the very serious, powerful creatures known as demons. So the principle that we want to grasp from 2 Peter 2.10 is that false teachers, regardless of what form their slander takes, whether they trivialize them or whether they uh, insult them with uh, harsh words and disrespectful language, all of that is to say they display incredible arrogance Incredible arrogance. They are brazen. But why is it wrong to speak evil against demons if they're so evil? Verse 11 tells us, and I think this is the key to opening the passage. Verse 11, whereas angels who are greater, and here he means the good angels, the holy angels, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. Peter tells us that slandering demons is so wrong that even the great and powerful holy angels who have every reason, listen to this, they have every reason to accuse demons for falling away from their ranks once they were one with them and sinning against God. Even they don't speak evil against demons and they kind of have a right to speak evil against them, but they don't do it. Now, let me tell you what Peter's main point is and his objection to what these false teachers were doing. Notice in verse 11 how how Peter describes angels. This is very helpful. He describes the holy angels as greater in might and power. The question is, then who? Then who? Who are they greater than? The context is the false teachers. That's the subject here. They're greater and more powerful than false teachers. So what Peter is saying, and be very careful that you listen to this. False teachers insult Satan and demons because they think that they're superior to them. They think that they are above them. They think that they have authority over them. They think that they can say anything they want to them because they have power over them. But they don't. They're grossly mistaken because not even holy angels who are greater and superior to the puny false teachers have the authority to rebuke Satan and his and his demons. Do you understand what he's saying? No man, whether it be a false teacher or, or a valid teacher, has a right to rail against Satan. Even the angels don't do that, and they are far superior than we are. Jude, just a few books further, Jude illustrates this, and this is very interesting. Just before the book of Revelation, the little book of Jude, Jude is very similar to Second Peter, and so you can sort of cross-reference passages. And Jude tells us something that Peter doesn't tell us. In fact, Jude tells us something that the Old Testament doesn't tell us. In fact, if Jude doesn't tell us this, we don't even know this, this happened. Verse 8, yet in the same way, these men, so I met false teachers, also by dreaming, defile the flesh, and reject authority, and they revile angelic majesties, basically what Peter has told us. But then he says, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Jude tells us about an incident 
in Old Testament times, not mentioned in the Old Testament though, that after Moses died, Satan wanted the body of Moses. Now why? We're not told. My guess is, is that uh, he wanted the body of Moses so he could put it on display and have the Jewish people worship it. In, in Jewish circles today, Moses is highly revered. Imagine if they had his body there. Imagine if they had his body in some synagogue today. It's like the Roman Catholic Church has all kinds of people and their, their bones and skeletons and all kinds of things that people just come and worship. I think that's what, what Satan wanted to do. I think that's very satanic. But God wouldn't let him do that. So he sent Michael, one of the greatest of all angels, who's presented in Scripture as specifically the defender of Israel. We're told that he sent and to, to bury the, the, the body of Moses. Where? We don't know to this day. It's a good thing that we don't know. And although there was a dispute that Michael had with Satan, you have two angels here, a very high, godly, holy angel, and the highest of evil angels. And they're disputing over the body of Moses. And Michael doesn't even rebuke Satan. What he says is, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord will take care of this. The Lord will deal with you, Satan. He didn't insult him. He didn't exercise authority over him. He didn't send him to the pit. He didn't, even though he's an archangel, he didn't do any of that. He said he just referred to the Lord's authority and said, the Lord rebuke you. And both Jude and Peter are saying the same thing. If the highest of all angels won't rail against Satan, then certainly puny man shouldn't either. Just let the Lord take care of it. If anyone rails against him, they're arrogant. They think that they're greater than they really are. You see, false teachers are characterized by pride. By pride. And there are some men who, while not being classified as false teachers, uh, also are just very proud. They, they know everything. They feel like they can say anything. As I said last week, you, you can't question them. That's very cultic. Pride. The mark of a God, a, a man of God is humility. It's a major mark, humility. What he knows, he knows only by the grace of God. And he will admit he doesn't know everything. In fact, the more he knows, he will tell you how little he knows. That's the mark that's just opposite this. See, the reason why it's so wrong to insult demons or to take them lightly is because demons are greater than man. They're greater. We're not over them. We don't tell them where to go and what to do. They're greater than us. It, it, they're in another realm. They're superior beings who, though they epitomize evil, they're to be respected for their power. You don't fool with that kind of stuff. You don't fool around with horoscopes and, and Ouija boards and, and other games that deal with the spirit world. You don't, you don't do that stuff. And you certainly don't yell at Satan and rant and rave and think that you can order him around at will. You see, these false teachers who insulted him back then and the false teachers who rebuked the devil today claim to have authority over him, they're guilty of pride based on the false thinking that they have some kind of power, which they don't. It is a gross presumption on their parts. And you know what? They are ignorant. They are ignorant. If you watch men like this on television, televangelists, turn it off. You don't, you don't want to watch that kind of stuff. They're bold in their talk. It's just sinful pride, arrogance. There's a militant attitude there. They despise authority. And they're ignorant of spiritual truth. This is why they do it. They are ignorant. They think they know 
what they are talking about, but they don't. Notice verse 12. They're ignorant. But these, he says, these false teachers, like unreasoning animals born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed. He's talking about brute, wild beasts. Reviling where they have no knowledge will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong is the wages of wrongdoing. Peter compares false teachers to unreasoning animals who are guided by what? Instincts. Animals don't reason. Animals aren't logical. They're led by their instincts, their feelings, whatever they want to do. And like wild animals are to be slaughtered, Peter says, these false teachers will be slaughtered eternally with the hands of God's judgment. And Peter's point is that false teachers, though they slander evil angels, they don't know what they're doing. They're ignorant. That's why it says they are ignorant. They have no knowledge, which fits exactly what these teachers were like. These teachers, I told you when we started this book, were what we would call Gnostics. A Gnostic is one who says he has superior knowledge. If you just knew what he knew, you could be so much more spiritual. Peter is denouncing that. He's saying they don't have knowledge. They don't have true knowledge. They're ignorant. They're stupid about this stuff. They're like stupid animals. They're just doing whatever they think they ought to do. It's not based on knowledge. The word of God doesn't say to do this. And it's obvious that those teachers today who rail against Satan are just as ignorant because if they understood the power of Satan and wicked demons and understood their role, they'd be humble. They wouldn't be so quick to hurl insults at him. They tremble for what they've done. Now listen, false teachers are filled with pride. That's what you want to understand. They're arrogant. They think too highly of themselves. And I might add that there is an arrogance that goes with this towards God. It often, often in the same realm of not only insulting Satan, but telling God what exactly he has to do for us. And ordering him about. See, it's that pride, that arrogance, rather than humility. Don't follow their arrogant ignorance. In dealing with Satan, show respect. Show respect for his power by not rebuking him. Let the Lord deal with him. You don't want to deal directly like that. Don't make light of him. Don't uh, be entertained by stuff that makes light of him. Submit to God. And be careful about following teachers who don't do that. That's how you protect yourself. Let's bow for prayer. Understand the way false teachers really are. On the outside, they may look humble and pious, and they may talk a good talk. They may have tremendous charisma in their personality. They may be very persuasive in their language but there is an extreme arrogance associated with false teachers. They are not humble. They are not teachable. They are arrogant. When evaluating a spiritual leader, evaluate whether he's lifted up with pride or whether he's humble. An arrogant person thinks he knows everything, and what's more, he's dogmatic about his ignorance. He's not just dogmatic. He's dogmatic about being ignorant. You can't tell him anything. He knows it all, even more than Satan. Uh, but a humble person, a humble leader recognizes that whatever he knows, he knows by the grace of God and God's word. And he doesn't know everything. He's just learning. He's a fellow learner. 
So don't follow leaders who are arrogant, especially those who have no understanding of the power of Satan. You may be in a church home or you may be hearing this on a cassette tape in which uh, your uh, pastor is involved in this kind of stuff. Be very careful about that. Be very careful. Because behind that kind of stuff is arrogance. Not even Michael the Archangel would do that. How should we? I'll give you a few moments to think about this, pray to the Lord. But I will say this, there may be in your life an issue of arrogance that you need to repent of. Maybe you're not rebuking Satan, but there's a know-it-all spirit. There's a, an attitude that uh, you can't learn, that you, you can tell people to do whatever you think they ought to do, and you're in charge. Of all. That's, that's arrogance. You need to repent of that. Jesus Christ, though God, the supreme one, the self-existent one, is humble. We as his followers should be humble. And so it may very well be you need to repent of that. It may also be that you may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that be the case, then you need to humble yourself by admitting that you're a sinner and you need Christ to save you. Jesus once said that no one can come into the kingdom of God unless he be humbled like a child. So I call you to a humility that admits you're a sinner and that you need Christ to save you. And you will because he died for your sins. A few moments of silence and then I'll close. Father, we realize that we have touched upon an area that is seldom spoken of. And a lot of times your people are just deceived by false teachers who do and say things that sound so persuasive and so uh, so strong, and yet it's so unbiblical, so based on ignorance. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be mindful, to be protected from men and women like this, to follow true leaders as we follow Christ. All through your word, you tell us such things as humble ourselves, in your sight, and to follow leaders only as they follow you. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. To clothe ourselves with humility. Lord, I would pray for any in our church who have uh, perhaps trivialized Satan, perhaps have um, been watching things they shouldn't, perhaps have been following men they shouldn't. I pray that this message would, would give them light to respond accordingly. I also ask you to draw to yourself for salvation those who, who need Christ, who need forgiveness of sins, who need to have a relationship with you that goes beyond church attendance, but a vital relationship that comes with having sins forgiven and knowing you personally. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you've responded to Pastor Steve's message and prayer by placing your trust for eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ, would you tell someone about it? We would love to hear from you. Just call us at 727-239-0306. Or you can email us at contact at firstbyverseradio.org. The number again is 727-239-0306. We'd also be honored if you wanted to call or email and tell us how Verse by Verse is perhaps encouraging you in your faith. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our instructor for these daily radio Bible classes. 
is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you want to pay us a visit, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Verse by Verse is just one of Lakeside's ministries. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. Stop on by and explore. We have information about Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve, and how you can give to help keep these broadcasts coming if you're sensing God leading you to do that. You'll also find a wealth of previous programs that you can download for free. I'd also like to make our visually impaired listeners aware of the availability of free audio Bibles. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, call 1-800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com for your free audio Bible. That's blindbibles.com or call one 800 838-5924. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse, and I hope you'll be back for Pastor Steve Kreloff's next Bible lesson. You know the old saying that if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. False teachers have some pretty obvious signs, too. 